Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with a another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It's been a bit since I spoke with you, but I didn't want you to think that I'd forgotten about you. So we're going to do a mailbag podcast today, going through some of Atlanta United's year-end roster moves and a few predictions as to what may happen next. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and we hope that you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You're going to hear about a special we have on subscriptions in just a little bit. We've got one voicemail today. The rest is going to be mailbag. So this is not going to be a very long podcast, but hopefully it'll be informative. Hopefully it'll be entertaining. And as always, I love you so much. No, if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Some of you may remember that Atlanta United made the playoffs, got beaten by Columbus in the third game of their best of three series, and the team subsequently announced who and who was not going to be back under contract for 2024. So let's go through some of that really quickly. Options that were not picked up or players who were out of contract included center back Miles Robinson, the longest serving member of Atlanta United, the number two pick in the 2017 draft out of Syracuse. Mateus Huzetu, his contract also expired and he will not be back. Options were not picked up on Amar Sadich and Ozzy Alonso, as well as Miguel Berry and goalkeepers Clement Jopp and Quentin Westberg. The team is having discussions, and I'm going to put discussions in quotes around Robinson uh, and definitely with Westberg. I don't think Robinson is going to resign. There's been an offer out to him for a year and a half. He has not signed it. I think he is going to go and explore the market and see what he can get. And, you know, that's his right. He can earn as much money as he wants to. I still think, you know, he didn't have the best year this year, a year that we're used to seeing him have before his Achilles injury, but I think next year he's going to come back. It'll be a year and a half out of that injury, and I think he's going to probably have a a really solid season for whoever he plays with. So remaining on the roster are many, many of the players that you've come to know and love, including Yurgo Shakamakis, Jamal Tiari, Eric Centeno, Derek Etienne, Sabalochenitze, Edwin Mosquera, and Tyler Wolf, Tiago Almada, Homegrown's coming in. Luke Brennan, Atlanta United 2 player, Nick Firmino. 
Johnny Fortune, Franco Abara, Tristan Miyamba, Aiden Torres, Santiago Sosa, Ronald Hernandez, Brooks Lennon, Aiden McFadden, and Caleb Wiley. Uh, the team announced that it has re-signed Efrain Morales, another homegrown. He is yet to make an appearance for Atlanta United. He might have a pretty bright future. Also returning are Luisa Brom, Noah Cobb, and Brad Guzan. The team is going to try to sign at least one goalkeeper, probably two. One of those may be Westberg. Um, also not returning, going back to that list of players, are several homegrowns, Machop Chol, Jackson Conway, Justin Garces. And it didn't it didn't pick up uh, Morales' contract, but they just negotiated a new one, as I mentioned earlier. The one surprise in all of these to me was Machop Chol. I know Pineda liked him a lot. At the same time, he is an older guy for a homegrown. Um, he went all four years to Wake Forest. I think he was 25 years old. I think the team kind of figured out this is his ceiling. He's had quite a few injuries. Really nice guy. Super nice guy. But I think the team kind of knew, all right, this is we know what we've got. We know what we can get. And it's time to move on and, and let another homegrown kind of uh, take some of that time. Still waiting to hear if the team is going to bring back Jean de Silva on loan. He's on loan from Dijon in France. It announced it was not going to bring back Juanjo Parata uh, on loan uh, from Tigres. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, from Tigres in, in Mexico. Um, Silva is, is going to be interesting. I think a lot just going to depend upon what salary he wants. He started off really, really well for Atlanta United. He kind of finished decently, at least offensively, a couple of goals in the playoffs. But in between, in some of those important games where Atlanta United had a chance to finish fourth, Silva did not play well. Even in the playoffs, at least three of his turnovers, it may have been four, I'd have to go back and watch, directly led to Columbus's goals, to, to counterattacks and goals. Um, I don't think that's an indication of the quality of his play. I think he can uh, become a really, really productive player, even more productive player for Atlanta United. But a lot's just going to depend upon his salary. If he wants you know, 700, 800,000 a year. Uh, I'm curious if Atlanta United will want to pay that. Um, but hopefully we'll learn something soon. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. So I told you that we were going to have a, uh, a subscription offer. So here we go. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations. We've got a lot of sports coverage. We've got the SEC Championship coming up on Saturday. I'm going to be a part of that coverage. We're going to have bowl games for Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Georgia State. We've got college basketball ongoing right now. We've got the uh, offseason in Major League Baseball, and the Braves are making moves. We've got the Hawks off to a pretty decent start 
in the NBA. We've got you covered there. The Falcons are still trying to fight to win a, a mediocre NFC South, but heck, a playoff is a playoff. We've got you covered there. Uh, you know, if it's going on in Atlanta, we've got it going on. So that's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. I want to thank all of you that reached out to me uh, to uh, wish me a happy birthday earlier this week. Very much appreciate that. Appreciate my friend Tim taking me out for dinner last night and and all my other friends. Uh, So thank you all. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Cohen, Martin Cohen, uh, who invited me to come speak to uh, his men's group uh, up at Sandy Springs on Tuesday. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun meeting those guys. Asked a lot of good questions. Uh, If you have a group and you want to talk soccer, send me an email. I'm glad to come and talk soccer with you. Let's go to the mailbag. It's 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Friend of the podcast, Sean from Dunwoody. Hi, this is Sean from Dunwoody. Question for Doug. Doug, what do you think rule changes we'll see for next year? And if you were a commissioner, what rule changes would you make for next year? Thanks so much. Well, the first rule change is all newspaper beat reporters who cover Major League Soccer deserve million-dollar raises. That's the first rule change I would make. Uh, There's absolutely no way that he could enforce that because we're all independent, not affiliated with Major League Soccer, not paid by Major League Soccer, nothing like that. But if I were him, I would encourage all the newspapers to pay the beat reporters a million dollars each. Uh, As for real rules changes, you know, there's been a lot of banter, and there's going to be a question you're going to hear in a little bit from front of the podcast, Henry about two things that are being mauled right now, including a sin bin for a, a slash orange card, which would be a, a more significant than the yellow card, not as significant as a red card. And I'm going to get into that with Henry's question. I don't want to spoil all the answers. Um, for looking at roster rules, uh, I think I think you're going to see a little bit of clarity on some of the things that MLS does, there's so many different roster rules and roster acquisition rules, and a lot of them don't make sense. And I'm going to get into that just a little bit with uh, Henry's question. It's going to be the question of the week. So sorry, Sean. we got to get together again for lunch soon. Uh, always good seeing you. I hope you and your family had a good Thanksgiving. And I want to get to the answers to the year two questions toward the end of the podcast. On to Ron, or is it Roan? It's R-O-H-N. When can we expect to see the 2023-2024 schedule and how are the matches determined? Roan has asked a lot of questions the second half of the season of the podcast, and I very much appreciate that. Uh, MLS has not said. So typically they will release like, here's the first home game for each Major League Soccer team, and then they'll release the full schedule. I think everyone is anticipating late December because training camps are going to open in January. Champions League will start in late January, early February, or mid-February. I'm sorry, mid-February for those matches. How are the matches determined? Uh, well, usually, um, you know, you know you're going to do home-and-homes with all the Eastern Conference teams, and then it's just going to depend upon stadium availability. You know, Mercedes-Benz is more than just the Falcons, and Atlanta United hosts a lot of concerts, a lot of other different events. So you just start trying to match up dates and, and availability and, and the Apple windows on those those Wednesday and Saturday, occasionally a Sunday game, and go from there. As for the Western Conference teams, 
you know, Atlanta United played Minnesota a few times in the first couple of years, and then they haven't seen them since. Uh, they haven't played St. Louis yet last year. They haven't gone to Austin, haven't gone back to Minnesota in its new stadium. I'm hoping those guys will be on the schedule. As much as I love Seattle, I think that East Coast, West Coast thing has been played out. Maybe we'll see some new some new teams come on to the schedule. You can guarantee Atlanta United is going to play at least one of the Los Angeles teams because they want that for TV purposes. But anyway, fingers crossed for late December. I would like to start making my travel plans as well. Cheryl, friend of the podcast, says, why would Atlanta United not re-sign Amar Sadich for about $100,000 a year? He played in over three-fourths of the games and started 14. Perhaps he wanted to move on? I think that might be it. Um, you know, his playing time really diminished the last half of the season once the team signed Mayamba. Uh, once Pineda had a level of confidence with Jay Fortune in central midfield. Uh, so maybe Sadich decided, hey, you know, I want to go somewhere where I might be able to play more. Uh, I don't know if he's going to make more money within MLS roster rules. He was, uh, I think, made less than $100,000 for an MLS veteran, which is, you know, a little weird looking at other pro sports leagues and their salaries. Um but I got to I got to think it's more maybe he realized I'm not going to get to play very much and he wants an opportunity to go and play somewhere. But good question, Cheryl. Thank you. James from Roswell asked a different type of question. So he says, let's play the odds game. And then he asked me a series of questions. So I'm supposed to give some probabilities, not odds on these things happening. So we're going to go percent chance Pineda is back 100 Percent chance Boca is back, 100%. Chance Miles is back, 0%. Chance Guzan starts game one next year, 95 So let me just go through the reasoning on this. I've already reported that uh, Boca Negra said he and Pineda intend to return next season. Garth, in a, in a story I wrote a while ago, my interpretation of his answer was that those things were going to happen as well. Now, if the team does not, improve significantly does not finish at least fourth in the east does not advance in the league's cup if there's even a league's cup next year who the heck knows with copa america coming it's going to really jam up the schedule a little bit then yeah i don't think pineda will return his his contract ends guaranteed portion of the contract ends after the 2024 season there are options beyond that but if there's not significant improvement then i don't think pineda will be back for 2025 Bocanegra's contract is through 2025 with options beyond that, but I think he's in the same boat as Pineda. Miles, you know, I've talked about this ad nauseum. He has not signed the contract extension or new contract. I don't think he will. Guzan, the team still has to sign a goalkeeper. I think he starts. He'll be the starter for game one next year. More questions from James. As a bonus, where do you think Atlanta should focus on using its DP slot Assuming Almada leaves midfield, yeah, they would do a like for like. They would try to find another attacking midfielder for Almada. Um, now they are going to buy down Sobolopchenitze's contract, which will open a DP slot. Where will they use that? That is going to be the interesting question. A lot depends upon if the team brings back Silva. If they don't bring back Silva, then they could use that DP slot on a left wing um, opposite Lopchenitze. We're going to see. He says, I love the show. I listen to each pod. Thank you, James. 
Appreciate it, my man. Alan says, I can't think of any player questions, but if anyone can shed light on this, it would be you, meaning me. The front office added some internal and external analytics help, and Sarah Kate is back as the CBO. Are there any other areas of the front office that the club will be looking to change or expand in the offseason from here? Could it be player personnel related, business marketing, business marketing related, etc.? And Alan says, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had one. I hope everyone out there who listens to the podcast had a great Thanksgiving. And and I wish you all happy holidays coming forward. I don't really, I don't see the team adding any more layers to the front office. The Sarah Kate hiring uh, was a bit surprising to me because they'd already, they already have basically a, a vice president for business. I, I like bringing back Sarah Kate. She is is uh, unheralded, but very much responsible for the current popularity of Atlanta United within the city. Uh, her marketing, a lot of her ideas, not exclusively her ideas, but her ideas and the and the execution of the franchise's ideas really helped build the brand before it played its first game. Uh, the grassroots marketing that it did, the the pub marketing with Darren, a lot of that you know was led by Sarah Kate. Um, before she went off to Adidas and and now has come back. So I'm curious what she's going to do going forward because the brand is established. I'm, I'm, she's a very, very smart person. Um, I'm hoping to get to talk to her uh, maybe in the next few weeks about her plans for the, the 2024 MLS season. As for the other areas, I mean, they, they've got their analytics part. They've got two different analytics partners now. Does Atlanta United? I think they know. I think Garth. Lagerway and, and Georgia and Carlos and now skate know what they want to do. I think the pieces are in place. If there are any changes, I don't think it's going to be any kind of thing major to push the franchise forward. Now, speaking out of the other side of my mouth, you also have the 2026 world cup coming. You've got the 2024 Copa America coming. I could see the team trying to figure out some new partnerships within marketing to really try to take advantage of the exposure the city is going to receive uh, for the, the Copa America and the upcoming World Cup. The Women's World Cup is still out there. I got to assume Atlanta is interested in hosting some of that. The Club World Cup also got to assume the city is going to be interested in hosting some of that and the move of U.S. soccer coming to Atlanta. So now it's just a matter of, of – I think this is why Sarah Kate was hired. How does Atlanta United leverage these opportunities to really increase its brand around the world and become identifiable? Not on a level of some of the clubs in Europe, but but maybe on the level of some of the clubs in Mexico around the world. And though I have an MBA in marketing, I haven't really thought about how to do that yet, but I'll give that some thought and, and give you some of my ideas uh, later in the season if you'll remind me. On to Derek, who says, I only go to Twitter slash X for Atlanta United coverage, and I'd really love to never have to go to Twitter slash X again. I know the feeling, Derek. My question, has the AJC discussed ditching Twitter slash X yet? And if not, will you please bring it up at the next staff meeting? Well, Derek, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. I had to go to the office today for the first time in this year, and only the second time in probably the past seven years. And I had to do that because I turned on my computer this morning to do some SEC 
championship stuff uh, that my boss asked me to do and my computer would not turn on. So I had to go and get that, get it fixed. Um, so I don't anticipate me going to any other staff meetings. And if they tell me we don't want you to use Twitter slash X again, I won't. Uh, I'll do whatever they ask me to do because I'm an employee and they're my supervisors. But I don't anticipate us doing that. Uh, Derek continues, lastly, you'll probably address in the podcast, but if not, what is your confidence level on a scale of one to anti-tranquility that <laughs> Almada will be with Atlanta United for the start of the 2024 season? I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am. I hope you are too, Derek. Uh, a scale of one to anti-tranquility. Uh, so I don't know if one means I am confident or anti-tranquility means I am confident. So I'm just going to put it in those terms. I have some level of confidence that Almada is still going to be with Atlanta United for the start of the 2024 season. I just There's no reports. There's no bona fide offers being reported or that are being prepared. Again, we're a month away from the January window, so there's still a lot of time. But I would not be surprised. Uh, and on to, I don't know if this is the same Derek or different Derek, because he sent me some questions and I answered them via email. And then I realized I should do a podcast. Uh, so this is podcast is directly the result of Derek. Uh, when are we going to start hearing about the team's shopping list? Uh, surely way before the transfer window opens in January, right? Wrong. Uh, Atlanta United does not leak, uh, or, I shouldn't say does not leak, does a really good job of, of keeping who it's looking at under wraps. When you start to see reports of who they might be interested in, it's because of agents uh, of those players for the most part. And sometimes the agents get things very, very wrong, like with the Diego Rossi situation last summer. But as for positions, midfield is going to need at least two center backs, may need at least two goalkeepers, definitely one goalkeeper. Probably needs another fullback to provide some depth. Um, Aiden McFadden is a good guy. I, I don't know if he's a a player that can start should Brooks Lennon get called up to the men's national team or or Caleb Wiley get called up to the men's national team uh, to start in a pinch. Um, so I think you're going to see some, some movement in those areas. And then on to Henry with the question of the week. Henry says, it's been a while, but here are a couple of questions for the podcast. Thank you, Henry, friend of the podcast. <clears throat> How likely is it that Major League Soccer adds a fourth DP slot for the upcoming season? Assuming it does happen, which position do you think Atlanta United should use it on and why? Well, there have been reports. Uh, it's from an outlet that I'm not familiar with, which that does not mean anything. It doesn't mean that the report is inaccurate or anything like that that MLS is going to add a fourth DP slot. That report has not been verified by any other journalists, which does make me wonder if it's true or not. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Major League Soccer decides to add a fourth designated player. I think the smarter move would be, as I've said a few times, getting rid of the young DP slots, getting rid of the under-22 initiative, and simply freeing up the, that money to go toward a larger salary cap that teams can use on whatever level of player, whatever type of player they want, or to give some of its current players a little more money. Uh, really, it's not it's not the DPs that are, or the lack of DPs that are holding 
back at Atlanta United and, and other major league soccer teams. It's the quality of depth below the DPs that is the issue with some major league soccer teams competing with some teams in Liga Emekis and, and you know, should they ever compete with teams in South America, for example. It's, you know, one through 10, I think major league soccer teams can compete with like teams, most teams in the Netherlands, for example. Uh, maybe Portugal, maybe. But it's 10 through 30 is where those teams would blow by major league soccer teams. And a lot of that has to do with the academies are still being developed, still producing talent, but also is just signing more veterans from from other leagues around the world and bringing them into your rosters uh, to increase the competition, increase the experience level. That's what Major League Soccer needs, in my opinion, right now. Uh, but if they do add a fourth DP slot, slot what would Atlanta United use it on? Uh, well, they've got a striker. They've got a right wing that's you know salary-wise a DP level. Left wing, I've already said, I think would be a DP target, depending upon what happens with Silva. Assuming Almada stays, I don't like teams spending DP money on a center back or a goalkeeper, but it depends on the goalkeeper. David De Gea, for example, is still out there as a free agent. It'd be really interesting if Atlanta United tried to make a run at him. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying it would be interesting. Uh, particularly when you're in a division that has a lot of, of pretty good goal scorers and 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 really good attacking talent. And and maybe if you could convince a young center back uh, and lure him with a DP-type contract, similar to what they've tried to do with Miles, who just doesn't want to sign the deal. And lastly, what are your thoughts on the MLS Sinbin proposal that has been going around lately? So there's a report Tuesday or Wednesday that Major League Soccer may experiment with using a sin bin, which is a, a rugby or a hockey thing or a water polo thing, in which a player that commits a foul has to then go sit on the sidelines for a few minutes and his team plays a man down. I, I don't like it in soccer, to be honest with you. I would rather just you have two referees um, on the field. But, I mean, basketball has three on a small court. Why can't soccer have two on-field referees along with your two uh, touchline or sideline referees and th those referees can can make calls they could talk to each other if one sees a foul it'd be like in football you know the referees can get together and talk about it and decide was it a foul or was it not a foul but just do it freaking quickly um, that would be the thing also FIFA can simplify or clarify some of the rules, the handball rule has gotten to the point that nobody knows what a handball is anymore. VAR has ruined offside or the technology has ruined offside. Um, fix those things. You don't need a send bin, um, but that's just my take. All right. Please tell your friends about our show. If you haven't done so, please give us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. It helps us grow the podcast. Again, this podcast is the number one. MLS team only focused podcast on Apple, which is a, a testament to y'all. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, I don't know when we'll have our next podcast. It'll probably be when there's some news coming out, but I do want to thank y'all for a fantastic year. We'll be back. Well, knock on wood. We'll be back next season. Um, as always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Thanks for listening to Southern fried soccer from the Atlanta journal constitution.
I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.